This is Rick Stoner. On today's podcast, I interview Matt, the founder of Satellite IM, a fully integrated decentralized messaging platform that is tackling today's data ownership and privacy issues. Satellite IM gives you peace of mind with end-to-end encryption without sacrificing quality. Stream in 4K, chat in 1,000 kilobits per second, and share 4 gigabyte files with privacy and confidence. And good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Crypto After Dark podcast. Today, I have a special guest with me, the founder of Satellite IM. Satellite IM is a fully integrated decentralized messaging platform that is tackling today's data ownership and privacy issues head on. Unlike popular instant messaging apps like Facebook Messenger and Google Chat, Satellite IM allows people to chat in a decentralized peer-to-peer way. Let's start off right there. Matt, decentralized chatting networks. Uh, just off the top of your head before we go to introduction, introductions, what other networks exist that might be competing with what you're doing right now? I think there's probably a slew of them. Um, you know, I purposefully try to stay a little bit disconnected from that space on my end of things, um, only because I'm the one building it and I don't want to go out there pulling people's ideas and stuff like that. But you know, there's there's tons of them, but I, I don't think there's many out there that are really offering the full suite that we're offering and really trying to tackle the uh, the broad scope that we're trying to tackle. Okay, now this software that you're working on, it's obviously blockchain web three. Is that where it's going to integrate? What level? Yeah, I mean, right. lost Matt there for a second. Can you, uh, can you hear me again? There you go. You're back, yep. I'm so sorry. Right. My cat decided he wanted to be a part of the podcast and I had to tell him no. Um, the uh, Sorry, can you can you repeat the question? I got a little bit distracted there. Um, didn't write that question down. Um, <laughs> it's okay. You're, uh, I think you were asking um, the, the Web3 and blockchain. Um, so yeah, we, like, we're right now building a tool that can operate on essentially anything. Um, we have a set a set of protocols and standards that must be upheld to. So we say, hey, like a message should be formatted this way. Um, it should take this data in, pipe this data out. Um, and however you choose to do it in the middle is really up to the user's choice. Um, we of course do provide default options right now that's leveraging libp2p, um, but really there's no limit to how the technology operates. We use blockchain to back data and also vet identities. Um, but it's really, we wanted to build a platform that really leaves the decisions up to the user for how they'd like to operate. Um, so we will providing realms with different solutions so people can hot swap and jump between different networks that they so choose. Wow. That's, that's pretty complicated there. So let's, let's try and break that down a little bit. Um, so people are going to be able to cross message through your system into other messaging systems? So not necessarily, yes and no. Um, We're building, just to like preface, our tools start at a low system level. So we've built in Rust. Um, We also have tools in JavaScript um, as well for those low level interactions. 
And anything that builds on top of our protocol standards can be cross-message. So if they use the same message format, um, we use standardized things like CIDs um, and multi-hashes so they can be interoperable with other IPFS and, you know, different products that use the same set of standards. Um, mm -hmm. We don't say anyone can and can't, you know, have interoperability with our platform. It's just a matter of making sure that they all use the same standards. So, yes, we are cross-chain, cross-platform, cross-whatever, um, but it will rely on people using the same protocols, not necessarily our technology, but the same, you know, set of standards that defines what data is. Okay, so I, I'm 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 gonna put out a few interesting questions here. Now, will this be comparable to like uh, an old messaging network like ICQ or like Skype? Is it gonna have that kind of a feel where I can look up my um, contacts and send them a message, or is it gonna be more stealthy? How, kind of describe what the end user is going to see when he gets to a GUI. Yeah, I think uh, that kind of brings up uh, one of our core ethos. Um, uh, in our in our product, which is we don't want anyone to have any well, we don't want anyone to have to have any preconceived knowledge of blockchain or anything like that. If you go on Twitter, they don't say, "Hey, we're Twitter powered by Atlassian," or "Hey, we're Twitter powered by Amazon AWS." Like that's that's not a thing. So we we really believe that crypto companies and crypto projects need to kind of stop using crypto as a buzzword to sell their product, and and we've kind of gone down that path as well. So. We do all our crypto and blockchain related stuff behind the scenes to sign up on our platform. It's really as simple as picking a username, uh, optionally a profile picture and setting your account pin. Um, other than that, like it's dead simple. You're, you're just right into the application. And as far as UI goes, yeah, we're tackling, um, you know, the, the Skype, the, the telegrams, the things like that, but also the discords of the world, the larger, more power user friendly applications are also in our sites. Okay, you you mentioned Rust now. Um, what layer is this on then? Is that Rust based? Yeah, so that we we have multiple um, toolings right now. The JavaScript and the Rust framework. The Rust framework is uh, essentially an interface layer. Basically, it takes all those um, those schemas, those definitions, structures, whatever you want to call them that we define. It says this is what defines a message. This, that, and the other. And it allows you to drop in extensions to implement those things. So uh, right now we have extensions built for IPFS, uh, storage, um, Ethereum, Maddox, Solana. Uh, we have a bunch of different you know toolings that we built on top of, and you can essentially just swap them out um, to use your favorite chain, your favorite piece of technology, whatever that may be. Um, but the Rust layer kind of allows us to build a systems level library that has access to things like you know, desktop sync, um, hardware compression, um, file storage is more native and uh, robust. Really, we wanted to build a tool that allows us to build satellite on top of anything. It's funny you should mention like ICQ and things like that. Uh, we actually have a terminal-based IRC-like uh, application that runs our stack as well. So you can jump on the IRC clone and chat from your terminal with your friends that are using the mobile app. And they can chat with everyone that's using the desktop app. And really, it's it's just about creating a standard protocol and offering a suite of tools for people to use and build a top of, uh, but doing so in a way that is future-proof and allows for users to build a multitude of tools. And they don't necessarily have to use the satellite-branded ones. 
Mm-hmm. And we're, we're just actually going to go right into that question. So what does this all mean then? This means users for the first time are going to have a decentralized instant messaging network that big data companies aren't going to be able to abuse. Can you explain to the users how that's going to help them? Yeah. So I guess we can start simple and, and kind of explain how traditional systems work. Um, so at a high level, this is like <laughs> by no means a deep dive, but usually you send a message, it goes up to someone's servers, um, hopefully encrypted. Um, sometimes they have backdoors where they own a key to decrypt your message as well as your recipient. Sometimes they don't. That really depends on the company. But your data is all sitting in a database somewhere. And whether it's encrypted or not, um, that data is vulnerable to breaches. Um, we've taken the alternate approach. All your data is actually public. Um, inherently, that's how the blockchain works. But we make sure that everything is secured before it goes out anywhere. Um, additionally, we don't actually operate any mandatory servers. We do have some servers that will help with speed and reliability of the network. Um, but you can actually operate our software without anything that satellite owns. You could say, you know, if we cease it to exist and you had satellite on a USB drive, you could boot it up and send a copy to your friend and start chatting. Um, that was our ultimate goal. If we're truly going to be decentralized, the product should be able to operate without us having any intervention in the product, um, aside from building it, of course. Um, So what that means for the end user is that we could not spy on you even if we wanted to. We do not have the access to do that. Um, And because we're making all of the data, air quotes, public by default, um, that data has to be of the utmost, you know, secure nature. And we've made sure that that data can't be compromised. So it's a very powerful tool. um, And because we don't have any centralized servers, it's a tool that will be near impossible to shut down, which... I personally believe is great for countries that suffer from very heavy censorship. Um, And, you know, it's, it's, it's hopefully gonna be very powerful. And of course we built this for you, uh, Rick, and for everyone listening uh, to to build on top of if they want to, or do whatever they want with, we don't say, Hey, you can't theme our application or you can't do this or that. Um, We're building it for you. We're giving you ownership of that product in the same way that you buy a hardware device, you should have full rights to do whatever you want with that device. If you download hmm. our software, you should have full rights to do whatever you want with our software. And we actually build tools to empower mean, that. You do mean the company, like the blue chip company that logs into your device and makes it mine for you. And then for some reason, your fancy TV with a smart computer and it burns out a year. Early. Wait, I didn't ask that question. Let's move <laughs> on to the next question. Um, <laughs> now, what, like, what I really want to know now is, is a very weird question. And because of recent news, we've been hearing um, Helium Network is making a deal with T-Mobile to help blackout spots for cellular service and stuff. Now, do you see your product embedding in any of these systems that are going on right now, like the Helium Network? Is it going to somehow work over that for compatibility in an event that, you know, forbid it might happen, a solar flare on Earth disrupts communications and for some reason, when we fall back, we fall back into the crypto space on helium. Will people, are you going, have you looked at this network? Have you looked at being compatible with helium and being able to send through that network also? Because if you have, then my mind's blown. Totally blown. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I haven't. Um, so uh, your mind is safe for now. But, um, uh, you know, inherently in the way that we're built, you know, everything's a difficult task to some extent. We're kind of building our own roads here. Like 
where we started from the ground up, but we built this system to be modular inherently from every level you can rip a part out and put a new part in. So uh, I think my answer uh, with bearing in mind that I haven't done extensive research is that it should be non-trivial to add additional support for different networks. Um, I was actually looking into being able to chat over Bluetooth and things like that. So, you know, we, we should support many major network protocols in the future. We're just early stages right now. And the goal is to, you know, uh, basically reach feature parity with the Web2 space, um, which would be easy if all the tools that we needed to build the chat app existed, but they simply didn't. So we've had to basically go all the way back and say, let's start fresh. Let's build our own core technologies. Um, but, I, you know, I digress. I think that the way we built it has kind of afforded us the opportunity to build on top of any network protocols uh, with minimal effort comparatively to traditional systems. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so now the name is Satellite IM. So why the word satellite? Yeah, I think, you know, in some sense, it was kind of like one of those things like, hey, it just came to mind. But in, in another sense, you know, satellites are these things that are like in space and they're relatively untouchable. I mean, there are some, you know, political things that uh, that have spurred up given our world conflicts about satellites. But, you know, they're, they're these powerful things that are just floating up there and, and spitting data down to users. And the end goal for satellite is to have reliance on no networks and allow the users to be their own network. Um, so, you know, when we reach that, that mass, allow users to say, hey, I don't want any corporation. I don't want any like specific technology keeping my data. Instead, I'd like to shard it between all the different people that I'm talking to and have this like decentralized peer-to-peer -peer network where all the data lives with the users. And there's a lot of protocols that basically do that. Um, and you know, we've, we've kind of built in that way, leveraging things like IPFS. But I think the early goal was always just to say like, hey, this belongs to the users. There could be hundreds or thousands or, you know, millions of them. And they all work together to, to make one coherent like connection between each other. Um, and that just kind of like struck me as like similar to, uh, to satellites. And of course, I'm no rocket surgeon, so I don't, I don't know uh, exactly how they work, but that was kind of my thinking. Yeah, I might, I might go back to visit the satellite thing again. Um, right now, though, could you try to tell me and my listeners decentralized versus cloud computing? When, when in a way, this sounds a little bit like cloud messaging, that everybody's messages are going to be in a cloud and they're all going to come back out to each other because there's going to be no centralized core operating system because it's all going to be on the blockchain. So... Is this somewhat like clouding or is this completely a different um, fractionalized messaging system of its own and it won't um, imitate cloud computing? Exactly. We're, we're reaching an age where the devices we hold in our hands are so powerful. I don't think that the requirement for, you know, generally when I think of cloud computing, I think of a data center somewhere with a bunch of servers split up and people send their stuff out there and get it hosted. And, you know, it's a bunch of different servers that are, you know, closest to their location, but it's still a server somewhere that's somewhat centralized. In our space, we are not doing that. We are saying that the users own the data. It will never be a corporation that's holding the data for you. Sure, some corporation could decide to like, you know, offer a solution that allows you to decrypt their data and 
do whatever you want with it, but that's your choice. That there's no intervention that is possible without your knowledge. Um, and I think that's, you know, there are different technologies like uh, GunJS comes to mind, which is a pretty awesome peer-to-peer -peer library built in JavaScript. Um, and that's, I think, somewhat similar to the, uh, the long-term core goals that we have. Okay, so I'm going to go to a data privacy question here. Um, so you said when you um, go to your app, you want it to be easy for users. They select a name, they select an avatar, and they're in. Now, um, one of my previous guests, there's a quote on there. What did, how did he say it? Um, it was like less is more and more is less. You know, the, the, the less info you have to give the more that it's i you know i have to go back and listen to it again and when it comes from somebody like john mcfee though and i got ways to reflect on what even he was saying about communications over the planet and a lot not a lot of people were listening to what he was trying to tell everybody it's like every communications monitored everything is being listened to so to create a realm of people being able to have what they would like to have as free speech, decentralized instancing, instant messaging networks could achieve that somewhat. But how do you keep that private for the end user? Because there's a lot of things that go on on the internet when a person sends a message of communications, one point, end point. And then... There's still data to pick up there. There's still always a track and a trace. How, how are you going to truly keep their information private? And I know some of this could be questions to a point where you can't tell because it would be a breach of security even for the system being created. So there, there you go if you need refining to the question. Oh, no, yeah. I would say that first and foremost, every single piece of technology we use is open source. Like we welcome the scrutiny for vulnerabilities and things like that. Um, I think it's the best way to go. Um, we obviously will operate in alpha stage for a while. Um, and, you know, we want as many eyes on our code as possible. We've got nothing to hide. Um, but to aid to that, the way we kind of protect it, and ultimately it comes down to the device you're using. If the device you're using is monitored, if they can track the, the keys that you're pressing on your device, you know, that's, there's nothing you can do about that. Um, but if you can trust the device you're using is secure, uh, we, uh, we encrypt everything locally. Um, your data is actually stored in a local cache that's slimmed down and uh, serialized. And basically all this means is we take up as little disk space as possible. You never use more disk space than you know, your messages would take up and that your device could handle or anything like that. But um, everything lives with you, the user. Um, when you go to push things onto something like IPFS, you have to keep in mind that these these uh, these solutions are decentralized. They're, you know, it's the world computer built by us. So you can spin up your own IPFS node and tell your IPFS node to pin data. You know, um, this data is all already public. That's how the blockchain works. You know, there are you know different platforms like zk snarks to obscure data, but um, largely most blockchain solutions offer data publicly we encrypt all that data between you and the users that you're talking to. We compute a shared key between you guys. So only you can unlock that data and read it. Um, if it's intended for you, or if you are the author of that data um, and you choose who your data is intended for. So there really is no 
possibility once that data is encrypted unless they obtain your decryption key, your private key. But, uh, you know, for any new listeners that are joining the crypto world, uh, and I'm sure all the vets already know this, but your private key is gold. Um, you should keep it as secure as possible. Um, one of the, I would say, downsides of the decentralized movement is that you are getting full ownership. You're getting the keys to your decentralized identity. If you lose those keys, in the same way if you lose your house keys or your car keys, you've either got to get new keys or someone's going to be able to drive your car or break in your house. So, uh, But without those, there's nothing they can do. So we've kind of given everything to the user, um, and that has a slew of benefits, I think, and very few negative impacts. It's just a paradigm shift, and I think that people will need to learn to take some responsibility. Um, with that being said, one little aside, we will offer the opt-in options for people to back up their accounts with us, but we would actually suggest against it, and we suggest that people own their own decentralized identities and don't give corporations, even us, access to manage those keys. But for convenience sake, we will have convenience layers in there available for people. So now my, I got the understanding. You drew that perfect. Anybody who was paying attention to that, basically, um, the moment that you enter data into the app, it's encrypted to the point where nobody knows. But it pretensing that if your keyboard is being scanned, that's not not advisable as a user <laughs> to have one of those installed. Yeah, at that point, you know, there, there's not much we can do. Okay. Um, oh, is this going to be compatible on all devices that are using blockchain, like computer, uh, iOS, and um, Android? Yeah, mobile to toasters and smart fridges. Um, We're building with a systems level language like Rust because it affords us the opportunity to deploy our system to a multitude of x86 and ARM based devices. Um, so we're planning to release on desktop, mobile. Um, if there's available options, we will build on console. Um, we will have SDKs for games and things like that uh, with the ultimate goal of, hey, I'm you know playing a game together with some friends, like I met them in the game, maybe I wanna go offline and chat and watch a movie together. Um, those friends, if those publishers integrate satellite, are automatically added to your satellite account because it's using the same protocol and all your messages are synced. So um, really our goal is to have one protocol that can span all of these different platforms and run anywhere and give people a super powerful UI that integrates that protocol um, and build different UIs for all the different systems. So, you know, I think uh, it's quite clear with us building a IRC clone on top of satellite. We're, we're pretty nerdy about getting it to run everywhere. So uh, anything that has a screen, hopefully we'll be able to run satellite in the future. I've actually got it running on an Arduino. So hey, I'm starting to like, I've got more and more like my questions are going to get interesting. So let's, let's do this. Let's go. Let's jump 10 years into the future. We might be doing more communications with a moon base. Um, miners out in space, more, more space activity in general. Um, there's multiple space stations being planned and launched now. I don't know if this is the Hollywood of space that we're all seeing right now and lots of promises are being made and 10 years from now, we're still going to be here on Earth pointing up at the moon going, <laughs> we haven't got there yet. Now, 
hypothetically, if we go into that role, do you feel like your messaging system will play a large role in? Because I talk about it every now and then, um, the amount of communications that will basically just boom all over the planet, if we become more space orientated, will be incredible. And I feel like the need for very um, private communications are going to be necessary. Um, our governments don't believe so. Obviously, they think that they should still monitor everything. But you know what? If I go to the moon, for example, and I'm working up there and I want to have an intimate, you know, lovey-dovey conversation with my wife, I don't want 30 government agents watching that. I want to be able to have confidence in a system that I'll be able to say hi to my loved ones. And I wonder, because the name you've picked, Satellite Instant Messenger, and you, and or I am, I don't know if I said that right. Uh, yeah, perfect. And in the manner, and then this actually goes on to another question about nodes are going to become available in Starlink. Like, this is a real thing that's going on. No, is satellite I am going to become a part of that, or is it also going to be adopted into that as well? Um, more moves from T-Mobile, like there's there's so much going on in communications. I feel like what you're doing right now is an integral part of crypto. Nobody else is really working on a positive um, messaging system, and and I'm trying to figure out which one of you are going to make the most impact in the next decade and kind of where to pay more attention to. And that would be based off of what your insight is in the future. So where do you feel you will be in 10 years? I know I gave you a very broad question answer there. Yeah, 10 years is kind of hard because uh, if we're being honest, um, Satellite would have probably rewritten their whole tech several times by then. Um, and who knows what we'll be operating on is like, we might be in web 10 or something by then, who knows. Um, but. I think what affords satellite the ability to sustain and adapt to remain for a longer period of time we see in chat apps is its focus on extensibility and modularity. So we see a lot of chat apps come up. You know, every year there's a new chat app. It's kind of been like a, a chat app winter recently, but all uh, TeamSpeak and then Bumble. And, you know, we, we mentioned ICQ, M Trillion. There's a, a zillion chat apps out there. Uh, they're pretty good, but I think the problem that we see is not many of them really make it easier to build their platform for the future. And what I mean by that is if you look at something like Discord, they have bots. So if I want to play like a funny GIF or something when something happens automatically, or I want to check like the crypto prices, or I want to do um, some sort of moderation, it's all text-based and it's kind of um, funky and outdated. What we've done is put a huge focus on extensibility and uh, mods, plugins, whatever you want to call them, into our platform. That way, the users kind of shape the future of satellite. If we look at um, you know successful games that have stuck around for a very long time, much longer than most games, names come up like Minecraft and Skyrim and things like that. And the reason I believe that those games have continued to exist is because of their extensibility. You can jump into Minecraft and you can build a quantum, you know, reactor if you want to. You can fly to space, go land on the moon and build a moon base. Mojang didn't build that, the community did. And in the same vein, I would say not 10 years, but in the next two years, I think that satellite will be totally 
reshaped by the community into what they want and what they need. And I would hope that 10 years from now, satellite or our you know successor to satellite or whatever it may be will continue to be open and welcoming of the users kind of shaping it on their own so uh, i think what i'm most excited for is i don't really know where satellite will go in you know the next couple years especially 10 years out but i know for sure that we're going to keep jumping on to the bleeding edge of things and offering users the ability to use the bleeding edge and make their own choices and if we don't do it they have the freedom you know, there's plenty of smart people out there that could say, hey, I want to build this for satellite and they could build an extension and we give them the ability to say, hey, you could change what this thing operates on top of if you wanted to. And people can go to our extensions marketplace and download, you know, the we already have Ethereum and Solana, but you could say I want to run on Ethereum. So you download the Ethereum extension and then you say set as default and then reload the app and bam, you're running on Ethereum. So, you know, whatever it may be in the future, you know, MuskNet or, you know, whatever, I highly doubt it, but we're all in the metaverse, possibly, probably not, uh, then uh, you can you can switch to using their protocols. Um, it, it, we really built this system to evolve uh, with time and we built it to be malleable by the community, which I think is super important to longevity. Hey, is there going to be video capabilities and text capabilities? We have uh, lossless audio, so I think 1,196 kilobits per second audio for free. Um, and right now, the highest we've tested is 4K60, but um, you can. we don't put limits on audio or call quality. Um, it's all peer-to-peer -peer with local hardware acceleration and compression, um, so there's no reason for us to charge our users. So something that may cost... Uh, $700, $800 in premium tokens, I'll say, without casting too much shade, um, is absolutely free on our, on our system. Um, the, the goal is ultimately to reach uh, feature parity with companies like Discord, but with the ability to go way above and beyond the current offerings in a way more secure and decentralized space. Yeah, I also have uh, coming across this here on your Twitter. It says shipping on at Solana and at IPFS. Um, do tell, what does the at Solana mean? Yeah, so we're just like, that's just their Twitter or whatever, at Solana. So um, our default protocols that we will build our core protocol on top of um are ipfs and solana that's the default offering that we're shipping with right now um like i said that's the users can choose to change that uh, we may change that we really are not opinionated or you know um swayed in any way to use one chain versus the other we just try to make sure we have offerings with what we think will be the fastest cheapest most secure um, option for our users Okay, so um, to break that down a little bit, the what is the involvement of the Solana network um, independently as what you're using when it comes to your application? Uh, so Solana is one of the public backers in our fundraising, if that's what you uh, mean there. Um, but outside of that, we use them to store identities and keep persistent uh data on chain and likely as we start to get into relationship graphs and things like that in the future we may use them to store some of that information as well 
Okay. Um, and then have you used this as a preferred network because of its speed, its transaction speed? Yeah, we started first and foremost because there's transaction speed and uh, largely because of the cost. Um, and they kind of came in as investors later, um, but I think it's commendable to them uh, and to us that there's no obligation there to use their network. It's totally by choice, which I think is the perfect, uh, perfect sort of uh, relationship to have. And are you uh, able to reveal to myself and my listeners of how many uh, people you have signed up using your network now? Uh, that's kind of, um, it's not me not being able to from a legal or personal standpoint, but we purposefully have no KYC. We don't know who our users are like by design. Well, I mean the number of users, like, are you know, are you up to 5,000 users concurrently, 10,000, um, 100,000? No idea. It's all peer-to-peer. -peer. We we can't tell. Like, it, that's by really? design, right? So we... we, we oh, and I, well, and I understand because that comes right out in your... Um, yeah, I, I could tell you our Discord um, has... Because you don't want big data. Right. right. Okay. Right. So by by design, like, we we can't spy. Like, we... We couldn't tell. And trust me, that comes up as a problem with investors and board meetings. Uh, like, oh, how, what's our growth? What's our growth this month? And, it, you know, it, it's a, <laughs> a problem for people that are stuck in the traditional space. I, but, um, I totally accept that answer. I mean, I read, the, <laughs> I read the, I read the memo, right? And I got the memo already. No, however, that number you did mention, that's going to be interesting to me. You said Discord. You said, yeah, you said, we, we have, I think like, I haven't checked recently. Um, I think we have like 8,000 on Discord and we have something like 20 something thousand on our mailing list. Um, we will be advertising to larger partners. We talked a little bit before uh, the podcast and I'm happy to jump into it anytime with the uh, the deals with um, uh, content personalities and things like that. But we want to do it in a responsible way. We don't want to send the marketing out to a bunch of people who are going to expect a finished product that's ready to go and you know, start hopping on and using it right now. We want to get this thing out to the people who are really passionate about this space, who really care about the same things that we care about and, and kind of have them as our core users early on. It allows us to connect better with our community to actually know people. Like we have several people in our discord that are just random people that join in. They're interested in, you know, we actively talk in our team meetings. Hey, so-and-so had a question about this, that, or the other thing on the, the discord. And, uh, we go to them for advice and feedback. We we really want to keep our community tight knit right now, um, but we do have plans to go out and kind of attack the gaming space later on um, with some of the larger creators out there. Okay, um, something you've mentioned here now a couple times, and I just want this for question for clarity. Sure. Um, content creation is this going to be a place where people will be able to post their small content creation? and we'll be able to review it multiple times. It's not just a live only feature. I'm not sure. That's not on our road roadmap right now, but with that being said, like there's nothing to stop an extension from doing that. Um, we are planning to offer content creation tools. Um, so we will have the ability to record conversations like the one we're having right now to separate audio tracks automatically. Um, instead of just having them all as one big MP3 and you can say, hey, I want it as an MP4, but I want everybody's audio track on a different, you know, track um, or, you know, I want to 
make sure that everyone here can do an audio test to stream X quality audio. Um, we're going to have tools for creators. If we're going to have creators endorsing our product, we should probably make sure that we're building the best product for them as well. So there will be OBS integration, um, things like that, uh, Twitch integration, YouTube integrations. Um, they're all on the roadmap. But as far as actually publishing and becoming more of a social media platform, that's not really on our roadmap. Um, but there's nothing stopping anyone who wants to build that on top of our platform from from doing so. Um, it's just you know we gotta we gotta keep our feature uh, feature set narrow enough that we can deliver the best possible product. And I think uh, right now it's um, it would be a little bit too much for us to tackle this, the social media side of things as well. And this is um, this is now formulated a uh, bigger view for me. So this is a decentralized. Um, instant messaging program that looks to disrupt i know maybe you can't say that but i can um disrupt big um tech because they all want to just mill everybody's usernames and accounts and information off their computers i.e discord um and we all need a break from that i think um, our whole planet needs to have this thing the the kind of buzzword around it is the right to be unknown you know every app i sign into i short of giving them my dna they want to know everything about me before i get to use their app so your app will not require any of that people can go in and they can just use this they can create yeah. their profile and they can so how do they link up with a friend like say i want to link up with somebody else um is it like a, a hexadecimal code is it do we have to be near each other so i know what his user is and my user is which adds a little bit more confidence in the in the hooking um identities uh when you need to um how, can you explain that process how are we going to find one another in a decentralized network that is made to not find one another yeah so that's where we leverage um peer-to-peer -peer technologies, we will have um, sync nodes out there that kind of keep track of different users that exist on the platform. Um, essentially, all you get to see when you make a from request is the user's profile picture and their username and identifier. So the identifier we sought from their, um, their private key. Um, and essentially, uh, the TLDR of that is you'll get a username, a hashtag, and then a few numbers or letters. You send that to somebody or tell that to somebody or whatever, they add each other um, and you're off to the races. Of course, um, you can also just scan someone's QR code. If you're meeting up at a convention or something like that, oh, add me and you can you know, pop open your phone and give them your QR code and they can scan it and add you that way or you could tell them their username. Um, in the future, we'll also have uh, trust net networks. So the way you add a friend will add trust to that relationship. So if I meet you in person and I validate that you are who you say you are, we you know maybe go out and have some drinks and I decide to add you, then at that point, our relationship will have a stronger meaning. And those who go to add us are now saying that, hey, like, you know, Matt and Rick have a friendship. I, you know, know those guys. So I can be more sure that this person that they're friends with is probably the same person I'm looking for. So there will be, you know, deeper technical solutions in the future. But at a high level right now, the way it works is there's a public uh, discoverability uh, network that is decentralized. Um, and when you go to send a friend request, you're identifying someone's DID key, you're just, their decentralized ID. 
um, by this username and a set of numbers and letters. So just like something you'd see from any Web2 based company, essentially, there's there's no need for someone to learn something new. Okay, now will you now because you're have, I've actually just went through another project, it's very similar. So this these questions are getting easier. Now, when you're creating something that's disruptive of um, the current uh, messaging systems that we have, and that there is really big entities that want to keep people being monitored for every single word that they say, is that going to affect your growth? Or have we finally came to the understanding and that that is propelling the growth along with the growth of crypto itself um, for people to finally want an instant, instant messaging system that's decentralized? I mean, I can go back to the space chatter question as well. You know, eventually we have to have private com communications on this planet and it doesn't seem like there's anybody privately communicating right now and other than on your network, I guess, if we could say, or theor theoretically, we could go that direction that you might have one of the only private networks that there is in existence current currently. Now it's pretty bold, but yeah, I mean, uh, to, to be frank, we could have had this, uh, we could have done this discussion on satellite. Um, I, I didn't even uh, cross my mind when we were setting up the meeting, but um, yeah, Maybe I, we can do that actually would be yeah. really neat because I was going to go into that as well and ask is this kind of like uh, private podcasting, private group meeting place. Um, but, and then there was that other notable feature, lossless audio communications. Um, was, was that part of the direction of this to have higher end fidelity when it comes to communications? Yeah, that was yeah. actually the start of Satellite. Oh, I'm getting some feedback there. Oh, it went away. Good. Um, that was actually the start of Satellite. Um, I had built a tool. Um, you know, I'd already been working in the crypto space, and I built a tool for some larger content creations because um, Discord was muddying up our audio um, because it sends it all up to one server, and you get one audio stream back down, I assume, without being able to look at their source code. Um, and it just wasn't working out. You get a bunch of, you know, guys and gals playing video games, screaming and yelling. And, uh, you know, the audio just becomes a garbled mess for the end users. Um, and the alternative is to clap sync and, you know, have the editor worry about trying to line up all the audio tracks with the video and stuff. It just became a nightmare. So um, the tool was actually built to provide higher quality remote audio recording um, and kind of spawned into a total decentralized platform from there. And I think that kind of leads into your previous question of, is this the time that people care about the centralized messaging? And I think the answer is not quite. Um, but with that in mind, we are not looking to win people over by telling them that this is the most secure platform you can talk on. It's totally decentralized. We'll have servers. We literally couldn't track you if we wanted to. Those things, but not everyone really cares. There's plenty of people who you'll ask, like, oh, how do you feel about people monitoring your phone calls? And they say, doesn't bother me. I never noticed, blah, blah, blah. We're also going to offer the absolute bleeding edge of feature sets. Um, you know, you look at their uh, messaging platforms that exist right now and they allow you to upload 10 megabyte file. Or if you're lucky, 100 megabyte, we set it to four gigabyte higher. So you can share entire, you know, huge files in our platform 
Um, we'll have a Dropbox-like solution so you can do desktop sync and shared folders and things like that. Um, really, we're evolving what exists to what is the bleeding edge of the different protocols and uh, options that exist on the web right now. Um, and that happens to be the decentralized uh, network that offers the, the best solutions for us, not just in security, um, but also in feature sets. Like we're gonna have not only feature parity, but all those features will operate at a much higher quality than the competition. So I think that's how we went over the, the, the general user that may not care as much about their security and privacy. And you know you have that happy side effect of, hey, now we've got all these people, whether they care about it or not, they are totally secure and free from advertisers and you know people selling their data and you know you and I chatting about my cat earlier and potentially seeing like Purina ads on Facebook later today, like all that disappears when you use our platform. Uh, but you're not sacrificing any uh, quality that you may expect from a traditional web two based solution. I, I'm, I have a really, I mean, this is because I'm learning myself about your product. Um, uh, definitely a follow-up in order um, and recording on the satellite um, system. And then users will be able to hear for themselves in the future, just the different quality of the product. Um, whether that's an impact to what they do, I, I don't know. Now, right now so if users want to try out this system they got to go to satellite.am and is what is the process because you have launched i this is yeah we've launched a, an insider preview um it's still pre-release software um but we really strive to be open and honest with our community um so we have basically set up a deployment that will happen anytime there's new production code it'll automatically update and we're allowing users to join the ride as we build um, so our web application is public if you go to satellite.im uh, there's a link to try out our product um, you just click that you choose a pin um, and you choose username and you can go ahead and add friends start chatting start doing video calls screen sharing things like that um, of course, this is early access software. You should still already see better audio and video call quality than platforms like Discord. Um, but of course, keep in mind that things are changing overnight. Um, account resets exist and things like that. But we're excited to show everybody and we want everyone to hop on and play around with it and you know, make sure that we're not all talk. And is now, is there any cost involved in the user? I'm like, once they get their wallet all set up, does it cost um, transaction fee or something to send the message or anything like that? Could you please nope. explain that? It's all free. It's all free. Okay. And then, so what does the wallet connection ensure? That's where the encryption layer is to um, provide that unique identity per user like what role does the wallet play the wallet is your identity yes and we by default will generate a user a local identity it's not i mean it can be used as a wallet um of course and it probably will be as we start to talk about in-app payments and things like that in the future but um yeah the the, the ability for you to connect a hardware wallet exists and use one of your you know crypto hardware wallets as an identity um, or if you want to, you know, import an identity, um, we just wanted to give users those options. But by default, your average user, you know, 
your parents, grandparents, whatever it may be, they're not going to want to have to set up a hardware wallet or download MetaMask or something like that. Um, so we actually will generate them a secure identity in the form of a um, BIP32 phrase or something similar um, and allow them to encrypt that locally using that PIN. Um, using a hardware wallet just lends to, you know, the thing I mentioned earlier, your private key is you on the decentralized web. So it gives you a little bit more secure way to store that identity. Mm -hmm, exactly. You'll be able to recover your account onto any device easily. Exactly. And, you know, we do have tools there. We, we allow you to transfer devices by just scanning a QR code. You enter your PIN to reveal the QR code and then scan it with a different device to, you know, connect your account on another device. There are easy ways to do that. But ultimately, in the decentralized web, the safer your private key is, the better. So we wanted to make sure that we offer users the ability to use hardware wallets, physical keys that they punched into a metal card and put in their safe, whatever it may be, we give those users that option. Okay. And then, so for yourself, what, tell me about your first time into crypto. What was your first experience when it comes to a cryptocurrency? Uh, maybe even the first one that you bought or somebody gave to you. What was the first for you? Uh, my first was really early in Bitcoin, and I, I entered and left the scene without really knowing it. I had this friend come over, and he's comes back from France, and he's talked about this guy he met at a bar, and he's all about Bitcoin. And apparently, I bought Bitcoin for like I want to say nineteen bucks, and then sold it at sixty bucks, thinking I made a killing. <laughs> um, so I apparently was in there pretty early, but. Um, I kind of got back into it when Ethereum popped up. The idea of being able to program money was just so exciting to me. Um, and it just seemed like a no brainer. And really, like, I, I still believe that banks and institutions have way too much control over money. Um, I'm not of the mindset that they're totally useless. I think that it would be helpful to have crypto banks for those who maybe don't trust themselves to keep you know their their wallet secure or perhaps they want features like refunds and chargebacks which you know there doesn't really exist in the crypto land um but uh yeah long story short i got into ethereum i loved it uh i got in probably when it was around eight bucks um so pretty low right around like the ethereum classic fork um started working at shapeshift working on a product called prism that was a ton of fun. And then eventually just wanted to kind of do my own thing. You know, I um, had the fortunate and unfortunate uh, need to be hacking on something new and, and my own. Um, and so uh, started a, a company to do decentralized uh, tokenized assets. Um, was a little bit too early there. It was pre-crypto kitties and stuff. So the, the concept of things like NFTs weren't really uh, uh, as supported. Um, and then satellite was uh, was up next, and it's it's a really fun journey. I've met so many amazing people, and I'm so happy to be in the crypto space. It truly is uh, one of the one of the most exciting spaces I've been um, in my dev career, uh, while simultaneously being like the most disgusting space I've been in in my uh, my development career. But uh, it's it's also exciting, and and you know I'm really glad that uh, that Ethereum uh, kind of got me into it. Nice. Okay. And then now, because we like to do things backwards here at Crypto After Dark, we'll do introductions at the end instead of at the beginning. Um, 
So you're Matt with Satellite IM. Um, could you tell us a little bit of your professional background or anything that has highlighted um, up to this day and getting to this point in your life? Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess gaming uh, has really always been my focus. Um, started really young when I was 12 or 13 working on um, a control panel that helped people split up servers into JVMs and uh, Java virtual machine machines and essentially run little mini gaming servers for things like Minecraft and stuff like that was really early in that space and luckily made a ton of partnerships with Twitch streamers and YouTubers, mainly Twitch streamers slash Justin TV streamers back in that day. Um, and just kind of stayed connected. I bounced around and strangely enough, even worked for the DOD for a short period of time. Absolutely hated it, was bored out of my mind. Um, I can't stand working on things that I can't share with the world. Um, so quickly left there and just kind of uh, floated around and continued to do stuff in the gaming space from content creation to um, tools for content creators and um, just really hacking. And I was kind of granted a really nice opportunity to continue to build and, and build my own projects over the years. And it's kind of led to this. And, and any notable tech jobs? Um, yeah, I guess uh, when we were working really early on, uh, strangely enough, I was part of the team that made um, a product called Beam Pro, which was later rebranded to Mixer and then sold to Microsoft and Facebook. And I didn't get anything from it. I was super young. And uh, I think like I left the door with like a $200 PayPal bonus or something like it was it was totally uh, silly back then. But uh, I think my boss at the time was 12 and uh you know, you can only imagine what happens when a, a bunch of 12 and 14 year olds are offered uh, a, a ton of money by some major corporation. Um, so it, it's been fun. And, you know, I think Shapeshift was also like an awesome experience. Um, being able to work with them and work with Eric and, and team was really interesting. Um, There's a ton of really intelligent individuals there that, um, you know, I, I to this day wish I could uh, keep in contact with more. So, you know, there, I think every every part of my professional journey has led to some experience that got me here. So no, uh, no regrets as they say. <laughs> and then, um, for listeners, how do they, are you, do you make yourself available or do you have socials to share? Um, should they be more so go directed to the discord? What is the best place for people to ask questions or get a hold of you? Yeah, I would say the best place is probably discord right now. We're going to be doing like a, migratory season as soon as our communities are ready on satellite but for right now uh, we're, we're kind of chilling over on discord so come on in ask any question um i'm up basically uh I, i'm on there 16 to 18 hours a day so any time of the night so anywhere in the globe you are please feel free no questions stupid um, i'm happy to chat and uh and you know brainstorm whatever else uh, anyone might have uh, come on over and, and chat with me Excellent. Awesome. Thank you for coming out today and explaining. I know there's, I know there's more questions to ask, but maybe we'll do that over your network and we'll. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Yeah. Just so people could really see the difference and or hear the difference, maybe even feel the difference. Um, but I got to thank you so much for coming out today and explaining to us at least the general overview of your product. It sounds like it's going to be, exciting and its growth opportunity is really big in the crypto space um i didn't ask you a lot about advertising it, it feels like you're doing a lot of organic growth which is 
absolutely probably the best way to grow in crypto. Um, and I don't have any more questions for you today. So if there's anything that I've missed that you wanted to add real quick today, please do so. Yeah, I mean, I, real quick before I go, I can quickly touch on advertising. Um, like I, you know, I think I mentioned uh, we're sort of going for a, a slow, uh, a slow growth upfront, um, but we do have some pretty large partners uh, on our network. Um, we've been working with one of the guys from OTK, which uh, is a larger um, sort of stream house on Twitch, um, and then we also have some other uh, veterans like Jerome Setti on. Um, our advisory board, who are close friends of mine, um, hang out all the time, and they're really well connected in the space. So eventually, you will probably, uh, if you if you don't pay for premium or have an ad block going, you'll probably see our uh, our advertising on some of those YouTube channels and Twitch streams. But we really want to do our responsibility and make sure that our product is rock solid before we go out and, and share it with the world. But if uh, if you're the kind of person that's ready to hack on things and ready to kind of get the bleeding edge, um, I would say come on over, and join us. We're happy to chat. Um, and, uh, a little shameless plug here because they're impossible to find. If any of you are a Rust developer, I will personally buy you as many milkshakes and, <laughs> and write you your, uh, your salary on the spot. Uh, <laughs> we we're really looking for Rust developers. Um, and yeah, it was a pleasure being here, Rick. And I'm so glad we got the chat and got to meet. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just want to say, I hope everyone uh, listening is having a lovely day or night or whatever it may be. And. Hope to come back soon and, and chat using satellite. Absolutely. Thank you again, Matt. And thank you, everybody, for listening. You have a great day. Please remember to press like. And you can't subscribe, but you can follow and you can tell your friends about this podcast. This has been a Crypto After Dark production.